Well, hey everyone! Welcome to episode 169 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's episode features a landscape photographer living in the highlands of Scotland. Margaret Soraya is immensely talented and focused on harnessing the power of solitude to produce stunning work in nature's quiet places. She has a wonderful body of images showcasing these quiet places, and her soothing photography of ocean waves evokes mystery and wonder. Margaret spends a great deal of time photographing on the various islands of Scotland, often alone, and draws a lot of power from the solitude found there. Margaret and I discuss some really interesting topics, including her solo travels in her van, mindfulness in landscape photography, the healing power of solitude and how it promotes creativity, losing your way in life and finding it again, her journey of recreating herself, and the benefits of focusing on non-competitiveness and being non-judgmental in landscape photography. Over on Patreon this week, Margaret and I discuss a Japanese concept known as Ikigai, which literally means where aptitude and passion meet. Margaret has used this concept to help guide her through this new exciting time in her life as a full-time landscape photographer. Well, before we get started, I wanted to let our listeners know about a unique opportunity to join one of our amazing former podcast guests and current Patreon supporter, Danny LeFrancois, on a nine-day adventure photographing in Newfoundland from May 30th to June 7th in 2021. According to Danny, Newfoundland is one of those places that when you visit it, it will stick with you. It's raw, wild, and rugged. In May and June, it's prime time to experience the dynamic weather and witness the icebergs float by after breaking off the Greenland ice shelf. It sounds like an amazing adventure to me. Visit BanffPhotoWorkshops.com or check out the liner notes for more info. Okay, let's get to the show. Well, Margaret Soraya, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I think I actually heard about you through Tim Parkin. Ah, uh, on Landscape, yeah. Yeah, I did a little podcast with him as well. But yeah, they're friends of mine and they, they don't live far from here. And I, I actually swim, I, we, I swim outdoors um, with his wife. So that's how I, that's how I know them. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, I think Tim and Charlotte are pretty awesome people. So they're lovely. Yeah, they're really lovely people. Yeah, yeah, awesome. It's such a such a small world in the landscape community. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, why not? For people that maybe aren't familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I live in the Highlands of Scotland. Uh, it's in a little place called. Drumnadrochit, <laughs> and um, it's in the north north of Scotland, basically, right right in the middle on Loch Ness. Um, probably people will know Loch Ness more. And um, I run uh, landscape photography workshops, and I'm a landscape photographer, full time professional. Um, I also shoot weddings. I've shot weddings for a long time, um, but that's um, that's 
fading away now and the landscape's becoming the the bigger part of my life which is incredible because it's a it's a dream come true and I have quite a nice life really I live live up here and I travel around the Scottish islands the Outer Hebrides and and Orkney and teach people and shoot for myself so it's yeah I've got to say I've got it I've got it quite well sorted at the moment I'm quite happy with the way things are going. That's awesome and I understand that uh, you have two teenage boys and you do a lot of uh van life type stuff <laughs> yeah I do yeah I, I go off traveling in my van quite a bit because uh, the, the the places around here are quite remote and um so it's a really it's a great way to obviously to be in the landscape it's also really safe here because it's um it's just a safe place to to be and uh it's ideal for the for the landscape photography so I yeah I tend to go off by myself quite a bit and escape uh, real life <laughs> and yeah. uh, have a bit of time by myself in the landscape uh, working so it's 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 wonderful really yeah and we've I've got a converted van so I just stay in the van by myself and um I used to I used to take the boys when they were little uh, little but um they don't really fit in the van anymore so <laughs> the older one's six foot three or something so he's, he wouldn't even fit <laughs> fit across the side so I just go by myself now and they, they, they don't want to come with me anymore anyway so oh that's funny yeah. um how how would you describe the landscape um in the Hebrides so the Hebrides, the Outer Hebrides, um, we're talking Isle of Lewis and Isle of Harris. I'm not sure if any of your listeners know, know these, these areas, but they're very, very remote, small places that you basically were getting a ferry, which takes about three hours to, to cross over from the mainland on the west, west of Scotland. And going over there, you, you're kind of in a, a different world almost. And it's just, it's just quite incredible that the, that there's these amazing open, there's like sweeping beaches with, you know, there's white sands and there's crystal clear waters and you, there's never anybody on them. It's quite, it's quite incredible. And it's a different, it's a different world. There's a lovely culture over there and there's a lovely um, island, strong island community, which I find amazing. And it's just, a, it's simply an incredible place to be. There's a lot of islands. Lewis and Harris are the ones that I mostly shoot on. But there's a, there's many many different Scottish islands, and I'm I'm taking my time to explore new ones as well. It's just it takes quite a long time to to get to know one place, and you know, as I've been going over to Harris for about twelve years now, and I shoot weddings there as well. So that's how that's how I started going over to the islands, so shooting weddings, and now I do some I do some beach elopements there as well, which is quite nice. And um, but then and that led on to the landscape work out there. So beautiful places. Yeah. You know, and and so so remote and so quiet in the winter. You just sometimes I'm standing there and I'm thinking, why why am I alone here in this amazing place? There's, there's nobody with me, and it's it's just incredible. So I'd recommend and it. I, I'm guessing that uh, that area is pretty deeply rooted in a lot of historical cultural uh, significance as well. Yeah, and I think when you when you get up to the Isle of Lewis, it's very. Uh, religious and very traditional the people are very traditional and it's it's quite um it's lovely i find it lovely it's the very much churchgoers and basically on the on sundays it's really one, one of the few places that i i know where um you you can't do anything on a sunday it's you know it's very much like oh no it's the sabbath we, we're not you're not allowed to I mean, it's easing up a little bit now but you shouldn't put your washing out you shouldn't be seen to be going and doing anything on a sunday and for a while they didn't run ferries i think they started running ferries out there um, about maybe seven years ago 
So for a while, you couldn't even travel to the islands on a Sunday. So I find that I find that lovely, and uh, they also speak Gaelic a lot on on Isle of Lewis. So yeah, really, really strong, strong island um, feel to it. Yeah, I had the, uh, I had the, I guess you could say I was lucky enough to take a trip to the Aran Islands of Ireland back in oh, right. uh, two two thousand five. Right. Yeah, and it was before I was even knew what I was doing with a camera. I had a camera, but you know, I, yeah, or it was like a tourist kind of a thing. <laughs> and yeah. uh, but man, it was a. Uh, I felt like I was in some ancient place. You know, it was like. All of the, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but yeah. it's fascinating. There's um everywhere you go, there's all of the properties are divided up by these old stone walls that basically were designed, I'm uh, guessing, to, you know, keep the sheep in <laughs> to, right. to yeah. each person's property. And there's these, all these ancient ruins on the coast yeah. and it just felt very old. <laughs> it, it's wonderful to see places like that, isn't it? You know, and the, the places they still exist and they continue. I think on Lewis, they still um, cut peat, so they're, they're basically you see them out cutting peat in the in the landscape, and they dry it off and they take it home to use it as fuel. So all these little traditions, you know, they're still still going on. It's a, it's a really interesting place to visit. Yeah. Do they uh, do they also distill uh, scotch? Um, I'm not so sure about that on Lewis. They do on um Isla. So the island of Isla, Isla is um is well known for its whiskey distilleries. I think it's got more whiskey distilleries than any other place per square yeah. meter. There's one on every corner as you go around. So there's certain islands that do that 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 produce a lot of whiskey, Scotch, as you say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's what we call it over here. Yeah, in the yeah. States. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well. Yeah. Man, we have a ton of interesting topics, and I kind of just wanted to get a give the listeners a sense of the types of landscapes that you find yourself in, because I think I'm just guessing a little bit that the places that you like to visit lend themselves quite nicely to uh, the style of photography and what you personally get out of photography mm-hmm. in those landscapes. Yeah, certainly it's it's really it's intertwined really. My my values as a personal values I uphold, I suppose, are the same things that I value in when when I'm trying to put something into my photography. So things like being alone is very important to me. Solitude is a, a big thing. Um I'm an introvert and that's something that that is well it's just the how it affects my life and how I create is through quiet time alone and that's just um so the islands are ideal for that because I'm always alone there and you know traveling yourself contained in, in your van so you can be on these place in these on these beaches alone and you have that that feeling of that that's revitalizing for me you know so we've so just to explain a little bit about that I don't know how much you know about introverts and extroverts but you know introverts um gain energy from being alone and they become creative and they able to go into that creative space and you know have this sort of revitalizing so I can be I can be alone for like three days and I just feel amazing after it whereas an extrovert would feel awful because they need um, communication and people around them to um, energize themselves so as an introvert the, the islands are just fabulous for me and sometimes actually I go to the islands and I'll because there's not much 
mobile signal there, although it's getting a little bit better, which is a bit disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) So I used to go and I'd know there was no mobile mobile signal or Wi-Fi, obviously. And I would just, so I'd say to people, look, I'm going to be out of signal for two two or three days. And now the the signal's sort of going up a little bit. So now I'll go and actually park my van purposefully in places where there is no signal because there's something about having that complete shutdown from the real world that's really healthy i think i think it's healthy anyway might not sound it to everybody but i i think it's very valuable and you know silence and being able to hear yourself think and um it's like being able to hear your, your own voice that's inside you you can't do that when there's noise around all the time mm. i don't know do you do you understand that is that something i yeah it's um i definitely do you know i've i've uh I've got a, my master's degree in clinical psychology, and I like to joke with people that I can guess their Myers Briggs type indicator uh. by, ask, by asking them like four or five questions. But so I'm very familiar with introversion right. and extroversion. It's interesting because I I am definitely an extrovert. However, I also when I am in the wilderness with my camera by myself, I do totally understand what you're saying, and I get the same benefits of it. And I've, I've, I don't know if you found this, but I found that I create my best photography in those spaces. Um, But I think maybe what makes me a little different is that uh, I can't do it for a very long period of time. Like you said, I get kind of restless and want to, I want to talk to somebody. (laughs) Yeah. So this whole lockdown, you know, I don't know what it's like with you in, in America. We've just literally yesterday come out of lockdown. We've been a few, few months and it's been, I've found it actually very nice. (laughs) And um, although I do have a lot that, you know, I've got my family around me, we live in an amazing place. So we're not, we're not stuck anywhere, but that's time and that space to just think and to be creative hasn't been difficult for me. And actually, funnily enough, my partner's also an introvert, but he's, I'd say he's more introverted than me. Um, And, you know, I said to him, you know, we don't live together. And I said to him, well, if I hadn't been coming up to see you, how would you have felt for like two months completely alone? And he was like, not a problem. Absolutely not a problem. (laughs) As long as as he's got his, you know, his outlet is different to mine. Mine is creativity. I need that. I need that. You know, if I didn't have that, then I wouldn't. I wouldn't be happy by myself. Um, he's a mechanic and he likes building things. So he goes into his shed and, and does his, you know, bits and pieces. So it's it's a different different thing, but actually it's the same thing. And um, so so the lockdown for us has been quite quite um, quite easy actually, <laughs> which is awful to say because so many people have you know have had such a you know tragedy and and upset in their lives. You feel a bit bit guilty about saying that. Yeah. What it, what is it about? Um introversion that you find to be a strength in people i think personally i think introverts do things um they go about things differently to extroverts and i'm not saying that oh, you've got to be very very careful don't you i'm not saying this applies to everybody sure um, <laughs> i have to say that <laughs> it's a warning you know, I, I find myself saying that a lot on the podcast yeah. so i think yeah. you're good <laughs> yeah it's not it's not everybody and it's not you know but but i think extras on the whole they tend to launch themselves forwards without the um depth or the research or the understanding of things and you often find and this is quite a source of um frustration for me actually so you find extroverts out there getting 
um, on stages or getting chosen for things or they, they probably have a also when it comes to you know being chosen for jobs they're more likely to get chosen simply because they are more out there and they're more more also more likely to put themselves forward to be fair mm-hmm. um so i but i i think that introverts have the 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 depth and the talent don't talent careful when i say that because there are experts that are talented as well but i do think that they they're much more thorough in what they do so they'll they'll take a lot longer to learn or to understand things before stepping forwards and they'll have a lot more value in them inside themselves as a result and therefore um be able to give more value so there, there is a there is a difference i do think i think introverts play sort of the long the longer game if you like does that yeah i hadn't, do I hadn't, that, yeah? Yeah, I hadn't actually quite thought about it that way mm. before but it makes total sense yeah, whereas an extrovert will go, yeah, here I am, I'll, I'll do it. They'll present themselves. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, actually, because if more introverts did that, then we would probably be out there a little bit more. But there is definitely, um, I'm definitely not chosen as much as an extrovert would be. And that's partly my fault because I am less likely to put myself forward. So although I do now, I've stepped over that and I've realised if I want to, um, if I want to work and to live within my purpose i have to be out there and i have to be doing things that um make people hear hear from me actually and just to to be out there and at the moment i'm i'm pushing my boundaries massively by well i'm doing a few podcasts and i'm just starting to create videos for youtube and i'm stepping on stage which has taken a lot of um courage i'd say you know it's yeah. not someone it's not, it's not an, like an extrovert would would lap that up and they would love that so for me i don't necessarily want to do that I don't want to be in the limelight particularly I'm quite happy at home but at the same time it's because it's fulfilling I find it quite fulfilling because it's it's what I really want to do and what I think what I'm meant to be doing so um, but it does take a bit of courage to say yes I'll do it I did my first live webinar the other week and it was you know I was nervous for the whole week beforehand whereas an extrovert might not they'd they'd be quite happy to be on screen and um, maybe a little bit more gutsy about it i don't know yeah it's it's funny because when i think about uh the photographers that have the work that i most admire i think almost all of them are introverts and i'm always wanting to like you know be be really social with them and and (laughs) they're just like yeah they don't want to be (laughs) not bothered (laughs) right that's quite funny Uh, but you're right it is interesting because when i think about um Obviously, we're generalizing quite a bit here, but when I think about other photographers that um, that you kind of associate with, kind of being well known, you know, in the yeah, you know, in the YouTube world or or whatever, you know, they all somewhat tend to be more extroverted and have yeah. more energy. And when it comes to, I guess, their social presence and they are putting themselves out there all the time, yeah, um, that, yeah, that, that is interesting. It is interesting because it's exhausting because it, you're expending energy as an introvert. So if I'm going to do something like a live something, it takes a lot out of me, whereas an extrovert would be, for, you know, energized at the end of it and want to do another one. So it's just a different way you draw energy, isn't it? And But I do think there's a lot of extroverts on uh, YouTube or wherever, and they're there regardless of talent. So <laughs> putting well, it bluntly, you know, it's not necessarily uh, the most talented. Uh, you could say that. 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's not an opinion. That's fact. <laughs> okay. That's good. It's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just in general. I think um, the better you are at marketing yourself and putting yourself out there, regardless of how good your work is, you're yeah. still going to be more known and recognized, period. Yeah. yeah if you keep getting out there. Yeah. It's that, it's that constant energy. I think this, this, this sort of time, downtime, I'm quite busy, actually. You know, I think that's the, that's the other thing is that my life is really, really busy. So um, this this time that we've had, this time and space, it's given me time to to create, start thinking about creating for YouTube and start, you know, thinking about these things. It takes me a bit longer to to get ready. And um, it, it's, it's been quite nice. But I do think, you know, you know, actually, I was I was listening to your the, the Women in Landscape um, podcast on it. It was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I thought what was really interesting, you know, the, the debate as to why there's, not quite so many women out there or putting themselves forwards and you know whether that whether that that relates to what we're talking about here but actually what I think my opinion is that it relates to the fact that women are or certainly in my case okay I'm just so incredibly busy with my life that I don't have the time to put myself forward all the time Mm. you know I know you have to you have to create those pockets of time when you can but I think women's lives um, particularly when you have children they tend to be um you're just just too damn busy and there's so many different facets of your life and I think that maybe that kind of affects it a little bit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think obviously that can go for men too but yeah uh, but yeah it's you know you make time for the things that are important to you and obviously raising a family is probably something that should be important to you. It should be. <laughs> if you it have should kids. Be. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Now I see I'm only finding the time to do all this stuff now because they are 16 and 18. So basically they don't want to see me anyway. So I've got the time to, um, to, to look at myself a little bit more. And that's been massive in terms of being able to develop the, the business that I really want to be in. You know, for years it was just, I was just on the treadmill of um, shooting and earning and paying the bills. Mm-hmm. And I think that was that was and looking after them, you know, that's that was it, you know. And then suddenly, as they they start to get older, I was seeing, um, well, the need <laughs> for one, the need to be able to fulfil myself a little bit and to go in go along the path that I really wanted to. But I'd, I think that was very very difficult for me when when they were young. I, I was um, divorced when they were five and seven so I was basically you know parenting them alone for for quite a while. So that you know you put that into the the mix of having to shoot 40 weddings a year and, mm. you know, find time for other things, then it becomes very difficult to to actually do what you want to do and put energy into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I've been spending more and more time recently thinking about what I want my yeah. future self and future life to look like. But, yeah. you know, a lot of the things that I want to do are kind of on I don't know, like, I don't want to say hold or pause, but, you know, I have a 12-year-old son and right. um, I can't just be gone six months out of the year to go pursue my passions. So Exactly, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you can build up to it. I think that's, I think that's what right. I've been doing for so many years. I've been doing little things that have started to build up towards that, in, in, you know, as you say, in pursuit of that. And then, you know, four years passes very, very quickly. <laughs> and right. you've, you've laid those all those foundations. Um, then, you know, by the time that he's, he's older, then you've got that your freedom comes back a little bit. And um, it's, it's really important. I think, you know, I feel really, really strongly about pursuing the thing that, you know, fulfills you and is your your dream. People, 
people give up on their dreams, you know, and they, you, you end up running around after families and earning income and, and you forget yourself. There's this, there's something about land about the age of 35, 40 people, you know, tend to look back and say, well, hang on a minute. What's, what, 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 what's, what am I? Who am I? You know, what's left of me? And, um, I think that's quite a common thing. It certainly happened for me when I was, I was 35 actually. And I looked back on my life and I'd given up everything that was, that was for me. And that was landscape photography and swimming and surfing and just, just general water. I just love water, water basically. And I'd stopped doing that in the time that I'd had the children and been married. And so everything that was, that fulfilled me and made me feel happy, uh, just gone, you know, and I suddenly turned around and went, hang on a minute, you know, this, this can't continue. And I started to, it was like a, a, a journey of refinding myself. And I think that's, um, I'm not saying that's what's happening to you, but it's, it certainly happened to me. And I think it happens to a lot of people where you, you've given up every, every part of yourself. That's, um, that's, that's what you feel really passionate about. Yeah. And when I think you, uh, yeah. when you looked back at, 35 I mean mm. did you was it like a switch that flipped or did you kind of slowly start a path of you know knowing okay I, I know this mountaintop over here is where I want to be so I'm gonna slowly uh, make take steps to get to that top of what I want it to look like or did you you know did you just yeah. get in a helicopter and fly to the top of the mountain what did that, <laughs> what did that what did yeah, that transition what, look like for you? What was it like? Yeah, it was quite a dramatic switch, actually. <laughs> so, you know, it was um, it was basically when I split with my husband and I sort of went, hang on a minute, you know, I was I got to the point where I was actually getting quite sick because I'd been so stressed um, for so many years and running around after everybody else for so many years that I, I began to, the, the damage on you, you know, the damage of stress on your bodies is quite... It's quite alarming, actually, when it happens. You know, it can affect so many things from, you know, digestive and nervous system. And um, so I was suffering with chronic migraines at that point. And um, I, so I came out of this marriage and we'd actually lost everything at that point. And we had to, um, we had to, we lost a house and we had to leave. So we, I basically left with the boys and we, we just started, started again in the south of Scotland, actually. So it was like a complete life, um, life change in in really really sudden but you know what it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me look at my life and think right okay what is it you know as you're saying what is it what do I really want to do do I want to carry on living like this and and if I don't what am I going to do about it you know and, and that's when I started going back to the beach and the, the the beach is um the beach and sea and water is where I yeah that's where I I, I feel my happiest and my most myself so I started shooting again and um and it was out of a it was out of a need to change I was so ill at that point it was kind of it was migraine after migraine you know each day that it was looking like I wasn't going to be able to work and that wasn't possible because I needed to raise the boys so I didn't have a choice really I had to get myself well and to get myself well I needed to put some self-care in there and you know, self-care, and I don't mean like face mask. <laughs> I mean, looking after my, fulfilling myself and, you know, really going, well, what is it that I really want to do? And I've always known that what I want to do is landscape photography, but I've always had this belief inside myself, well, you can't make money from landscape photography, so I've got to keep shooting these weddings. 
Um, and once you set that aside and go, well, actually, well, what, what's the, what would be the way forward that I could do this? And um, it, it all started from there. And then I started shooting um, quite, quite uh, regularly at the beach and taking time um, out. And that's when I started going to the Hebrides by myself and uh, leave the children, <laughs> but I, with with childcare. But I did leave them for you know started leaving them and um, putting time into myself. Mm. I can't remember what oh. your question was. But you know, I went on a, on a detail. No, yeah, you, you definitely. Yeah, you did. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's um, it's interesting how we don't sometimes allow ourselves to do things for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. We think it's a luxury. We think it's a luxury to go and shoot in the landscape and to take time out to do this. But actually, it's it's not. It's the best thing you can do for your families because. You come back and you're happy and you're fulfilled and you're not downtrodden and, you know, exhausted. And I, I think we, yeah, we do that, don't we? Absolutely. We tell ourselves it's selfish and you, <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that and you should be doing it. It's all the shoulds, isn't it? It um, is. We, no, the, neg- the, neg- the negative is, self-talk. Yeah. and Yeah, I was just about to say maybe it's the, that little voice inside yourselves that tells you you, you actually, you're not worthy of, of giving yourself permission to have that time. Um, and I think... It's so important and people forget this. And and this is partly why I feel drawn to speaking and um, talking about this this um, type of thing to people because I think so many people feel this. And because I've been there, you know, I've if it's it was a tough time. I'm not, not denying how hard that time was for me, but but because I've been there, it was almost a, a blessing because now I've got empathy and understanding for other people who have been there who are going through that now and I want to help them and I think that that really drives me forward and that drives me forward when I'm I'm speaking and when I'm teaching um it's it's a massive drive it really feels like the right thing to be doing because I feel so strongly about it Mm -hmm. yeah one of the uh the things you had mentioned to me before the podcast was the notion that there's a there's an influence on our lives from the outside world in terms of judgment and criticism from others and how that also plays a role in us not uh, pursuing our own creative path. Yeah. And I'm curious, at what point did you kind of make that realization and what have you what have you done to kind of silence the outside voices? <laughs> so the outside voices, yeah. There's there's two things, isn't there? There's the inner voices and the outside voices. Do you know? Do you know? Uh, I'll tell you a little story. And I I went to university to study to study photography when I was nineteen or twenty. I was went to Wales and um, did a photography course down there. And because of my quietness, and I wasn't also wasn't as confident as I am now, so I didn't want to speak out. I didn't really want to talk at all. So the, the tutors weren't very, you know, impressed with me. And I used to take my camera out my surfboard and take pictures of the waves because clearly that is what I'm supposed to be doing in life. It's clearly, it, it, it's in there, you know, it's always in there. I think that's something that we, we, you know, a lot of people say, I don't know what it is that I really love doing. Well, the, well you do. They, you do know what it is. It's just been blocked by other people, and and the voices have told you that it's it's not, and you've listened too much. Um, but anyway, so I used to go out on, on my surfboard, take these images, and and presented these images to the tutors. And there was one particular time that you know, amongst many, where I got completely trashed by the on critiques by the the tutors. 
And um, I was just devastated, you know, in front of everybody and they're telling me I'm, it's really not good work, you know. And um, it was because it was, it, yeah, I know, it was, it was, you know, all work is valid, isn't it? In some way, everybody's got something to share. And, you know, I think it's so important not to speak to people in a negative way when it comes to um, to art. So what happened after that was I left. I didn't actually finish my degree. I just I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take the the, the negativity and the being told I wasn't very good. And so I left, and that's when I stopped photographing. And I stopped photographing for well, it would have been um, twelve years. I think I stopped photographing anything. I didn't even have a camera. And I think that's an awful shame, isn't it? That some someone in the and it's usually people in um, in power, so either your parents or teachers or w- whatever who who beat this out of you very early, you know your love of something. It's mm-hmm. those people, it's those those voices, and and again, it's something I feel very very strongly about now is is never to talk to people and to say hey, they can't do it because you can do anything that you want to do if you really want to do it. Um, but also, I think when you're um, critiquing work, I think you, you've got to be very careful that you're holding people's hearts in your hands, you know, and yeah. a little bit of encouragement goes such a long way. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's a <clears throat> there's a flip side to that too, though. I mean, you know, as the receiver of that type of feedback or that type of information, we have a we have a choice that we can make in terms of how to receive it. True. Um, yeah. I know that uh, when I first started photography, my choice was to get offended and be defensive and, you know, discount yeah. what that person was saying. Um, but when I look back 10 years later on some of the things people were saying, they were actually right. Yeah. Their message was really not, you know, it was, it could have been well more well crafted yeah 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 <laughs> but there there was truth in that so i think yeah yeah i think um it's important to know that we have a choice in how we re- receive that type of information as well yeah and, and learning from things as well i think um that that's really important to be humble enough to say actually somebody said this about my work maybe i'll take a look at that and, and adapt things a little bit um but i think that when you when you're talking, when you are talking to people, um, you you have to just put it in a way that's that's not um, completely damning of them, <laughs> and then it becomes a positive thing. Then you can you can say negative things, not negative things. You can say things that will help them improve, um, but you, you don't put them down. I think putting people down is a really bad thing. But you are absolutely right. You you should take things on board when when other people are telling you, and um, take them on board. But you know, it's it's I guess it's within the person themselves, how strong they are, maybe. You know, I wasn't very strong when I was 19 at all. I was very, very unconfident and very, you know, it was a difficult time. So, um, yeah, it's you, you're absolutely right. It's it's how you take it as well, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a two-way street. Yeah, <laughs> Let's it just is. say that. It is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I wanted I wanted to uh, to go back to this idea of solitude for a minute um, because, you know, as somebody who totally recognizes the power and value of solitude, I do find uh, myself struggling at times to let myself be in those situations. Not to get personal, but for me, it, sometimes it's wrapped up in you know anxieties about 
um, oh, my car's going to break down or, you know, <laughs> stupid stuff like that. But, but I think I, I want to hear you talk a little bit about, you know, once you are, you know, for people like me who don't, it doesn't come as naturally, once you get over that, what are some of the benefits of allowing yourself the time for solitude? And I think you had mentioned something about healing power and things of that nature. Yeah, I think it's for, well, certainly for me, and I think I think it's different for everybody. I do I do think that I think it's it's more. Um, it, I would say healing. It's more healing for me than for somebody that doesn't enjoy it. But I, I think <laughs> there's something really powerful about um, solitude in that you face you face yourself, and I think that people. Um, you know, you know, the world's really noisy, isn't it? I, I don't know about where, where where you live, but even most places in the UK, you try and find somewhere really quiet. You know, even if you go into, you go anywhere. I mean, there's there's noise everywhere, and I'm particularly noise sensitive, so I notice. I get really annoyed if I'm in a shop and there's music playing, or in a restaurant and there's music playing loudly, because it doesn't. For for me, it just jars. It's like a, a you know, other people wouldn't notice it, but once you start to notice where how often we have noise in in our lives we don't because we live in the middle of nowhere and there's we can just hear the birds really up here um, and I'm really really lucky look well it's not luck actually I chose this you know I chose this place for that reason um but generally speaking I think people are quite um there's a dissatisfaction in life isn't there at the moment and people fill that they fill that with material possessions and noise and it doesn't really fill anything does it it just it's just like a patch <laughs> um, but it's, it's quite a common thing but then when you if you were to strip that back and take away all that entertainment and all that those sounds and all the things that we do um, to make our to fill our day take that away and you're just left with yourself and your thoughts and I think people don't want to face that often you know it's quite a hard it's quite a hard thing to face actually just your own thoughts and you really you, you do you really face yourself and you, it enables you to well it can go two ways I suppose you could be really unhappy and just want to get back to to what real life is for you um, or you can start to really think think about things and and um, understand yourself and become self-aware and self-awareness is is so important for for being able to understand where you you want to go in life and um what you want to do and this whole question of you know what do I love shooting you know I don't don't, do you know what you if I was to ask you do you know what do you love what do you love shooting Hmm. do you know do you know oh absolutely absolutely you do Um, for me it's um I mean, there's a lot of things, but top of the list for me is in the mountains here in Colorado, like all day. Yeah. If I could, yeah. if there's one thing that I could photograph the rest of my life, it would be up in the high Alpine mountains of Colorado. <laughs> right. So that's quite quiet then. So you're do, you are actually doing the the whole solitude thing and and you know spending for time sure. alone. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. I think um, I know. I was. I was. I really liked what you said about you know people spending time with themselves without the noise and the material possessions, because I think for some people that might be a little bit frightening. And I think if that is frightening to you, that might be a, you know, kind of like a health indicator of maybe something's (laughs) out of whack a little bit. Um, And maybe spending some time alone in nature might help you 
see a different path forward. I don't know. I think what's interesting about what you said too is like how that relates to our work as photographers. Yeah. When I think about my best work, it comes from those moments where I've had the time and space and energy to be alone and to really just focus on the joy of what I'm there to experience, you know? Yeah, and I think that's when you get really powerful images and they they come from a really they, they look authentic they look real you know when you see a, an image and it just looks um hollow almost i don't know, if you know what i mean by that but it just looks like a picture so mm-hmm. they call it yeah. an image um yeah it's a picture it's a technically correct picture of a place but when you see images that seem to appear to go beyond that i don't know i you know i can't i i couldn't tell you whether that comes from the viewer or the photographer but I certainly know that some some images I see and they feel a lot more deep than other images mm. um, so I think that you you do get this real real sort of authenticity when you're shooting it from a place of um, something that you feel really drawn to and you feel immersed in the landscape so I have uh, the the reason that I have a, a deep love of the sea, and it took me a it took me a long time to figure this out because I was thinking about this for you know years. It's only just come to me this year, actually. I'm like, well, yeah. I grew up in Manchester in um, in in the city, basically, and um, it was it was quite uh, uh, well. It was it was a violent time in Manchester, I suppose, and it wasn't particularly pleasant, and I didn't really like the city I'm not a city person although that's that's all I've ever known but my my mum is uh, Dutch and her my grandma lives lived in Holland so every every year we would go to to stay with her by the sea and that was my escape you know I didn't particularly have a I didn't feel happy at home when I was a, a child either so when we escaped every year to to the sea, it was just this release, and I felt so happy. And we'd walk along the beach, and the you know there was waves, and uh, it was the it was the time and the place that made me feel content. And that was from a very young age, and you know that's my connection. And I think I think that in some way, and I don't know, I'm still forming these ideas, but I think in some way we all have that. We've just um, we just need to understand that, and then once we understand what our thing is then we can go and create that work um, because there's the, I think there's, I think everybody's got something like that, some little story that, that connects them to the landscape for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I'm standing on a, a beach, I, when I go to the Hebrides or any of the islands and I'm standing there and the waves are crashing, I'm always, I'm always looking for big waves and, and good surf days. And when I'm standing there, it's just, it, it's just an amazing, it's like exhilaration. You know, you know, when you look at the landscape, you go, oh, wow, I can't, I can't quite believe this. Yeah. It's that exhilaration that I get. And then when you capture that, it's just fantastic. So I think that's then becomes an authentic image. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but uh, you know, I am not a water person, although I have had some incredible experiences as a photographer um, on the beaches um, in the past. And uh, one of my favorites that always comes to mind, and I know this sounds a little dangerous and it probably was, but (laughs) I was actually, I was on the coast of Oregon at night trying to photograph the Milky Way. And, uh, and there was, uh, there was heavy, heavy, heavy fog. Uh, so it wasn't the best, you know, time for night photography. Uh, but (laughs) it was pitch black. There was no moon, you know, there's, there was zero lights. And I remember just standing on the beach, uh, in 
total darkness, just listening to the waves crash crashing in from all around. And it was, it was like one, one part scary, you know, like, like I was filled with fear, but on the, but there was also like one part, uh, pure bliss. I can't even describe it. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think those are, those are some of the moments and well, and I got really lucky because in the fog cleared out and I actually did able, I was able to get some photos of the, of the Milky Way, but, uh, but those are the Mm -hmm. moments that, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know this, that, that full immersion into the, into the landscape where you're, I don't know, I think you had put it as a, you're kind of in the element. Yes, that's right. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And and, and I think that it's quite powerful um, at night as well. I think it's more powerful at night because you know, you'll know this, it's uh, so quiet, isn't it? It's the world goes quiet, doesn't it? <laughs> so when you, you know, we're talking about silence and solitude, then night photography is one of the ideal things to be doing. I'm not a particularly expert night photographer but I just I just love doing it for the experience of it you know and this is probably the one of the few times I don't photograph the um water particularly I'm just looking for the the stars it's just an amazing experience I love it yeah Mm -hmm. well you should try combining the two it's um yeah it's really quite fun (laughs) I mean especially if you can get um I don't you know like I said I don't spend a ton of time on the beaches but you know the after high tide recedes and then you have mm-hmm. those little tide pools, you can right. get really great reflections of the stars in those tide pools. And that's, oh, that sounds really, amazing. Yeah, that's that, really sounds, fun. that sounds like something to aim for. I think we don't have many clear skies. Well, we don't have many clear skies as you do probably because it's always, it's often cloudy or rainy here. So it's a little bit trickier in Scotland to, to do the night skies. You have to wait a bit longer, I think. For, for <laughs> right. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to uh, to go back to, to what you were saying earlier about um, the noise of, you know, the busy life that we all live. Well, not all yeah. of us, but most of us. And I think what's really funny is, you know, I, I do live in a small, a small town, but, you right. know, it still has cars driving by and people walking by. And, and when I'm at home on my porch, I expect to hear sound and noise uh, and I'm fine with it for the most part. But it's when I'm you know, if I'm on a nature trail and someone is playing their music on like a oh, Bluetooth speaker or something, that's, that's the worst. when I get, yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> the like, worst. You're not expecting it there, you know? <laughs> no, no, that's right. No, I know. It's funny. And, you know, I, I live, uh, I suppose I've just got used to doing this. I think I know that I'm quite sensitive to noise. So I have noise cancelling earphones. And if I go on um, planes or ferries or whatever traveling I've got them on permanently even if they're not doing anything just to block the world out because may- maybe it's because I live here and I live quite quietly and I spend a lot of time alone so I've got used to it I don't, I don't know why but I can't cope with it anymore um, whereas I think when I used to live in Manchester it was just normal so maybe you maybe you adjust yourself a little bit when you you start to um, I don't know maybe, or maybe get more sensitive as you get older <laughs> I'm not really sure <laughs> But it's it's something that really bothers me. Actually, is is noise, noise. I mean, you know, the word noise pollution it says it all, doesn't it? It's <laughs> it's not it's not healthy. Noise isn't healthy for you. So I think no. silence silence is one of those things that's becoming a rarer commodity. And you know, I think um, I read somewhere silence sells. I can't remember. There's an article about them selling some some a place in in Norway because it was it was quiet and that was it was it was on the up because um, of visitors just to go somewhere quiet and. Um, I think that's 
And that's partly why I based my landscape business around, um, it's called Quiet Landscapes, and it's taking people. And I suppose what I want to do is, because I feel so strongly about it, is share that and show that to other people uh, and take them to these places. And, and you know, some you know, seeing people's faces when they're standing in, on these islands and going, oh, wow, this is just incredible. And there's, there's not a soul here. It's, it's a phenomenal experience. And I think everybody should have the opportunity to experience just um, a real time out and um, time in quiet places. And maybe not many people do. I, d- I don't know. I suppose, um, you know, when you're you you know when you're in it and you, you're used to it and you live it, you forget that other people don't. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. I think that a lot of us take it for granted that those are experiences that we're familiar with. Yes, yeah, but not everybody is, is there? Because I suppose there's, there's people living in big cities who don't ever experience that. So, yeah, it's it's funny because well, I'll I'll tell people stories about you know being in the mountains alone, you know, you know, in a high high alpine meadow with nothing around except for high peaks and clouds, and yeah, and they look at you like you're speaking a foreign language. And then you realize, oh yeah, it's because they've never experienced anything like that before. Yeah, but we're we're so used to it, aren't we? It's um, right. it's, it's almost normal now, you know. It's um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, I you know I had an experience where I uh, actually moved from Colorado to Oregon, and Oregon's a beautiful place, uh, but I I found myself missing the the mountains in Colorado. And uh, I couldn't quite put my finger on it until I came back and did a a lengthy trip to climb some of the mountains I had left. And it was like an aha moment, like, oh, that, that's what I was missing. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. One of the, um, the other things that I wanted to ask you about in relation to your photography and also how you teach, um, or at least how you structure your workshops is, this idea of competition and, and, and judgment, I think it's an interesting, those are two very interesting facets of modern society. And, you know, I'm yeah. a, I, I grew up as an athlete. So, you know, competition right. is like, it's in my veins. So I'm actually highly motivated by competition, but I think other people are incredibly turned off by competition. And I was curious to hear your thoughts on, the influence of those two things on on your work, but then also in the way you teach your workshops. Yeah, it's quite that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because uh, you know, funnily enough, I'm um, although I seem quite you know quiet and chilled, I'm a usually competitive person. <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to swim competitively, and it's just something. Yeah, there's something about it. But in my in my in my art and my work, it's uh, it just doesn't it doesn't play a role in my, my own personal work and I think that one of the things that's really helped me get to a place where I feel like I've helped my own style and my own way of working and it's quite um, genuine and you know you can sort of it's, it's quite defined is by n- not feeling in competition with anybody and not really looking around too much at everybody else and what they're doing and I think then you can start looking inwards and 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 just do your own work and you know I, I I genuinely have to say that I don't shoot for anybody else and probably the one thing that happened in this process was that when I started shooting landscapes again I shot them from no reason you know I wasn't thinking how am I going to sell these and I certainly hadn't um 
marketed them until this year. So I was shooting about five, six years before putting them out there for sale. So when I was doing them, I wasn't thinking, is this going to be a great image for a competition? <laughs> or is this going to be, is this going to sell? <laughs> or I wasn't thinking any of that. I was just shooting for myself and I was shooting for my well-being. Um, so it sort of flowed quite quite quickly. And I think people need to stop if they can, if, if other people can do that and just forget all the stuff around them and stop looking at everybody else and seeing what everybody else is doing, um, it becomes a lot easier to find your own style and your own way of shooting. And, um, I, you know, one of the other things is that the places that, that I often take people to are not very well known, not necessarily the iconic locations. So it, it that in itself frees you from having those preconceived ideas of what an, a good image should be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you'll have that over in America as well. I don't know what, what places are. So you've probably got places that have been shot a hundred times and everybody knows what that an image of that place looks like, um, you know, but, and certainly we, we have that over here. But I tend to just go to different places that haven't been photographed so much or at all, maybe. And so you're completely free to, to put your own interpretation on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I Definitely agree with that. I think one of my favorite things to do, at least in the last couple of years, is you know I do love to go to places that I don't even know if there's a good photo to be had there, and just see what I can find. Yeah. Uh, but there is there is kind of some fun in going to an iconic location and trying to get your own twist on it too. I think there is, yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. kind of a fun challenge. Uh, it is fun. I think I don't I don't do it probably because there's usually other people there. <laughs> <laughs> right. know, it's always busy isn't it iconic location so i tend to, to to steer clear of them anyway so yeah but uh it's interesting um what you said about c- competitiveness and and not worrying about what other people are doing i think that comes more easily to some people than others and i know for some of my friends that i photograph with it can be really hard to do because, you know, social media and things, you, you're exposed to photographs of other people fairly regularly unless you yeah. choose yeah. not social to be on media. social media. Yeah, <laughs> social media, isn't it? It's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you've got to be kind of aware of what's going on in the world and who's photographing and, you know, other photographers. I think it's quite nice to see what other people are doing. Um, I, I don't spend too much time looking Sure. other photographers I, I get my inspiration from um more more different people so I won't follow a lot of photographers to be honest with you um I think that this is another thing where you that you've got to nourish yourself don't you to so you, you you know you whatever goes into your body is is the output isn't it so when you're looking at and um, that's in the body and the mind so when you you start looking at well how do you develop your own ideas how do you start pushing your business forward and I think it's really important that the the stuff that you spend time on so by for instance I read a lot you know and they're not photography books you know they're the books what have I got lying here I've got a mindful book I've got a um, don't keep your day job book which is really good <laughs> I've got a swimmer's book and uh, how finding your passion changing everything so I'm not necessarily consuming a lot of photographers uh, images or words um, I think it's important to have positive nourishment and that can come from anywhere mm. I'm going on a tangent again <laughs> I'm sorry but I, th- I think I was talking about yeah other photographers work so um, yeah I'm not I'm, I'm certainly not spending time on social media looking at what everybody else is doing because I don't I don't have the time I've got 
businesses to run and, and, and everything. So my, I am very, very particular about how I spend my time and what else. So I won't sit for hours looking at other people's work. I don't really see the point. I think there's, there's a point in finding inspiration from the past. Um, but not necessarily looking around and worrying about what the competition's doing. No, I think that's a healthy approach personally. Um, it keeps you focused on things that make you a better person and provide you with information that can help you achieve your goals. And, you know, I I think it's something other people find difficult to do, to be honest with you, you know, they really want to be better at at landscape photography. So they're looking at everybody else and what they're doing, but it's actually counterintuitive. I think it is. And I think, I know I've personally fallen into this trap, but I think the more time you spend doing that, the less uh, personal and unique your photographs become. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I was, I also wanted to get your take as a, as someone who doesn't spend a lot of time looking at other people's work. What is your take on photography contests? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, I think they've, they've got their place and they're, they're quite, they're quite, valuable in the I, I probably I mean I don't really enter them anymore I used to I, I used to I won a lot of awards for my wedding photography um, but the reason that I did that was not um, t- I didn't really need the validation of the judges at all actually but it was great for business <laughs> so you know and it, it did help with my business actually having the awards it kind of just it looks good to the to the clients um, in terms of landscape um, I used to enter competitions now I don't actually but again it's time I don't feel that that's going to um, help me massively at this point in time but I think for other people it's quite valuable because you the way that you then look at your work, you really, you really look at it, don't you? And you really want to find, you're starting to look for those themes and you look for things that work together, you know, especially what's most valuable is if you enter a portfolio competition and maybe you have to put four together. And that's when you're really looking at, you know, what, what are the themes that are running through, what, what's the similarities? I think that's quite valuable. And also getting your work to a nice polished state is, it's really lovely. It's a bit like, I suppose it's a bit like exhibiting, isn't it? When you've, you know, you put them on the, that's, that's fantastic because you get the, the end product as well. But yeah. I think competitions are good to that extent and probably no further because at the end of the day, there's just a series of people who happen to be judges sitting there telling, you know, saying what their personal thoughts are on what they, they like personally. So it's, it's kind of a lottery, isn't it? As to, what they happen to like and and who, who gets chosen. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm generalizing, but what I've found quite a bit with at least the few contests that I follow or try to enter images into is what it seems to typically happen is the same style and places tend to get top prizes. Right. And it's like right. it becomes quite derivative in terms of what the judges are looking for. And I don't know if that's like a group think thing or. Yeah, I think the same thing, the same thing over here, you tend to find um, maybe very technically correct images are winning. Um, and to me, technically correct images is, is, it's irrelevant. It's, it's the feeling of the image for me. So, but I'm one in maybe 20, you know, so then the 19 other photographers who don't agree with me, probably sitting on the judging panel and looking for uh, an image that's, that's got, I don't know, 
great composition, which you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dismissing great composition or technically co- correct images, but for me, it's not as important so as as the feeling and the the authenticity of the images. So, um, yeah, for me, it's it's not for me because probably judges wouldn't like my work anyway. And uh, <laughs> it's just then then you're just wasting your time, actually, aren't you? So, But for, for, for other people, I can see the value in them, but it, I wouldn't be disheartened when you, if you don't win. That's, that's the thing. It's not, a, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not somebody saying, well, you're no good then. It just means that your work isn't um, valued by those certain set of people who happen to be sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what, um, what workshops do you have coming up? So I've got one going in September to the Hebrides, but we don't know at the moment still whether it's fully right. booked, actually. We don't know what, what the situation is with the Scottish Islands because they were relative, no, they were totally unaffected. So they managed to stay completely clear of the virus. So they're a bit protective at the moment. So we may be, we may be, um, having to postpone to next year. And then next year I have, um, I, uh, a trip to Isla, which is a new one for me and Orkney, which is on the North coast of Scotland. It's, it's getting really wild when you get up there. It's, it's amazing. And we're going in February, which is always a fantastic time of year for wild weather. Um, and then I know <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then possible, uh, Mull, a trip to Mull, which is, um, including puffins and boat trips and, um, and another one in the Highlands, which is local to me, Loch Ness, because it's a fantastic place around here. So I don't do massive volume of trips. I've just started working for Light and Land as well. So I'll be running some trips, a photography company in the UK. I'll be running some trips for them as well. Um, and uh, I, don't, but I don't do a massive volume and I, I, I keep them kind of... Um, I keep them small because I'm doing everything myself and we're, we, we're tr- I'm trying to... Pr- pr- um, to do like a nice product so everything's included and it's easy for everybody so it takes a lot of time and energy actually when I'm, I'm putting them together and they're all sort of hand-picked so um, but they do tend to be they're mostly full actually now for next year so which is a good thing isn't it that's a great thing yeah it's great yeah it's a good place to be yeah how do how do people typically find out about your workshops and what do you attribute your fill rate success to well, do you know, I, it's a, I don't know, actually. I, I'm, 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 I should really find out, shouldn't I? I'm on Instagram, and I think Instagram's been quite good for me. Um, but I'm still relatively quite small in terms of um, promotion. And again, it comes back to this sort of introvert thing. You know, it's I'm not there all the time. I'm not, you know, constantly outpouring. But I do do, I, I do, when I'm on Instagram, I tend to write a lot of my own personal thoughts. And I think people respond to that. And they buy they buy into they buy into that because actually you know it's really important to sh- to show yourself as a person. Mm. Um, but we also I also do a bit of speaking as well, a bit of public speaking. So um, yeah, it's it's something that I need to I'm, I'm consciously working on. You know, getting known a bit better, and um, but it does seem to be working anyway. So <laughs> it's a good place to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's more important to have you know a hundred really passionate fans of your work than to have a hundred thousand people that are like oh i like their work absolutely and you know i think i'm not everybody's taste is you know it really is a, a quite a specific niche niche type of people that would come to me um it certainly wouldn't be people who are 
you know, having competitions to see who can get up the mountain earlier, as early as possible, um, fastest. You know, that that's not me. That's not what we do. It's it's very slow paced and um, gentle. Um, although it can be fairly wild at times, um, but it's kind of a, <laughs> a nurturing environment, and that's not for everybody. You know, there's there's there's, there's a whole host of workshops out there that are um, maybe much more male dominated i don't know um but but slightly different in style as well and um y- you know there's a lot of people that would go for that rather than than my sort of style so i'm very very niche and um i think people when they do buy into it they they absolutely love it and my i think my return rate's nearly 80 percent. so everybody everybody's keeping coming back which is a fantastic thing you know yeah that's great yeah yeah. Cool. Well, so winding down, who would you recommend for us to have here on the podcast? So this ties into the workshops of the Lucas. A lot of the workshops that I run, I run with um, Paul Sanders, and so I would. He's the first one that came to mind when you you said that, and I think he's um, he's got a very similar approach to me, and it's it's very much about the mindfulness and the. The, the ethos behind the images as opposed to the technicals. So, you know, that's why we work well together. But he um, he also has a, a, a podcast himself, the Togcast. So I think he'd be a great person to speak to. Oh, okay. He's the guy that does the Togcast. Okay. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, Margaret, this has been uh, really just a great time and I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat. That's no problem. It's been lovely. Really nice talking. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, thanks to Margaret for the wonderful conversation. I'm really excited to see where you take your new business as a photographer. I absolutely love to hear about people that are able to change their lives through photography It's such an amazing way to connect with nature and improve ourselves and hearing stories like yours is very inspiring to me. Well, I'm always looking for ways to support our small community of photographers. So if you have an idea for the podcast, please reach out and let's chat about it. I also love to keep things as interesting and as new as possible. So if you have topic ideas, guest suggestions, or ways of helping us out in any way, please do contact me. I'm also trying my best to keep the show going, and honestly, the support over on Patreon keeps my drive alive. So thank you all so very much for supporting the show on Patreon. You can do that as well by going to patreon.com slash fstop and listen. It really does mean the world to me that you find value in the show. I know I say it all the time, but I'm not really quite sure how else to express my gratitude. All right, well, thanks to our latest patron, uh, Soycat uh, Chakraborty. I really appreciate you supporting me over on Patreon, and hopefully we can maybe connect next time we're both in Colorado Springs. Well, I have a few exciting announcements relating to my own photography journey that I'd like to share with the world here, and maybe you guys can hold me a little bit accountable. I've been doing a ton of backpacking, and I've been recording a lot of video on my trips in the hopes of relaunching my YouTube channel at some point this year. So if you'd like to be the first to see my new videos from 13,000 feet and above, be sure to subscribe. I promise they won't suck too much. Just head to the liner notes and uh, check the link out if you want to do that. Uh, Also, I will be collaborating with a fellow mountaineer to revise and update a mountaineering and hiking guide to the San Juan Mountains of Colorado, which will feature my photography, some maps, some advice, some trip reports, and a lot more. I hope to have uh, more info on that for you in the coming months as well. 
Okay, let's chat about what we have coming up on the show, and it is still a very packed schedule. I recently recorded with Joseph Roybel. He's a photographer from Denver, Colorado, and he works a lot with various brands. So it was really interesting getting his perspective on that side of the business side of photography. I also had a wonderful conversation with Elizabeth Brentano. She's done some great work in Africa showcasing the wildlife there, and she has a wonderful Instagram account that I highly encourage you to check out. I also recorded with the legend William Neal. He does a lot of intimate uh, abstract scenes, and our conversation was so great. We talked about his new book, um, and we also covered uh, his roots, learning from Ansel Adams himself. I've also recorded already with David Brookover. He owns a gallery filled with platinum palladium prints of his work uh, up in Jackson Hole. It was really fun talking to him. I've also recorded with Bree Stockwell. She's a beginner photographer who challenged herself with an impossible goal to exhibit 10 photographs in 2020. What a year to pick, eh? All right, well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.